Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Welcome to episode 41 of the Bass Lessons Melbourne Player Profile Podcast. Um, This week my guest is the amazing Joshua Crumbly. Um, Joshua is currently on tour with Kamasi Washington, the sax player. And if you haven't checked out Kamasi and his music, then I definitely recommend you do that. So I caught up with Joshua while he was in town um, playing the Kamasi, um, and it was really great to, to spend the afternoon with him, um, hearing about his beginnings on the bass. He started pining for a bass when he was around three years old, apparently. Um, his dad was a jazz musician, so he was kind of surrounded by, by music um, in his younger years, and it, it really shows, I think. Um, he has a, he's a very mature musical voice, I think, for, for a man of such such few years um great player great feel great tone you know uh, i'm sure he's got a, a bright career ahead of him uh, and he is just about to release uh his debut album um hopefully by the end of this year so um definitely um catch up with him on all the socials and and, and stay tuned for that release now i do want to say um before we get into it, um big apologies for the audio quality in this one um i messed up with the with the lav mics and I had to resort to camera audio um, and it doesn't sound too hot so I do apologize for that and I hope you forgive me um, as always really appreciate you listening um, if you like this podcast then um, maybe think about sharing it um, on on Facebook etc subscribing wherever you access your podcasts and even leave me a review or send me an email info at basslessonsmelbourne.com and this episode, as always, is brought to you by the amazing guys at F-Bass. Um, they've been hand-making guitars and basses for over 40 years and offer vintage-inspired designs as well as their own contemporary take on the instruments. Um, and as well as F-Bass, we have face bass, uh, bass face strings, um, importing the amazing Ken Smith strings to Australia, and you can find them at baseinyourface.com.au um, Without further ado, let's get into the interview, episode 41, Joshua Crumbly. Craig from Bass Lessons Melbourne, and today for our um, player profile, I'm joined by Joshua Crumbly. Hey, man. How are you? Good. Yeah, thanks Happy for coming out. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, you're in town with Kamasi Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about, about that gig, what's it like, what can we yeah. expect if we come and check it out? Yeah, so I've been playing with Kamasi since May, Okay. so I'm relatively uh, the new guy in yeah. the band. Did, oh, did they pick on you because of that? Yeah, there was a little hazy. 
<laughs> but I, you know, pass the test, I guess. Because <laughs> all the other guys have, um, they've actually grown up together since, what? like, I think Rob, one of the drummers, they went to Kamasi and him, and Rob went to preschool together or something. Wow. Yeah, so. People way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and who are you kind of replacing? Um, Miles Mosley. Okay. That's some big shoes to fill. Yeah, Miles and and Steven, Thundercat. Right. They both, um, you know, yeah, came up playing in, okay. the, in the group. Um, and so did you... I mean, obviously, to, to kind of do the gig, you had to dig back through the archives and learn all that material. Yeah, that was a lot of music. Yeah. What did you kind of glean from all that, from, from learning those players' lines? Um, you know what? It's just being flexible mm. because um, the music is so different from the record. Is it? Yeah, like I knew that immediately um, from no one you know, on the first show back in May, because um, some of the uh, music has bass lines that were written in yeah. the music that Kamasi sent me yeah. to look over with the record, and and he just starts these intros, and I'm like, well, that bass line is not going to fly. Really? <laughs> so it keeps it fresh, like, every night. I guess fresh is one way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, you got to be... So you just got to adapt. Definitely. You really don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Gonna happen, kind of thing. It's been it's been cool too to be able to play both bases. So you're playing um, um, this and upright and upright. Okay. Cause um yeah like since moving to New York in '09, I pretty much was just doing uh, all upright. Okay. And um, so getting to play my first love electric. Okay. This again is electrics. It's kind of like yeah like a homecoming. Nice. The past like year or so. And how do you choose what kind of what, what bass to use? Is it this bass is an acoustic song, or this this sorry this song is an acoustic song, or the song's an electric song? Is that set in stone or not at all? You just go with the flow. Kind of yeah, thing? go with the flow. Like I might um, <clears throat> play electric on a certain song tonight, and then that's gonna be totally different on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's really really cool. It's really elastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Um, so whereabouts did you kind of grow up and? Um, from outside of LA yeah. in a place called Palmdale and it's like very deserty. Yeah. Yeah. And it kept growing and growing little by little. Um, so it's about an hour, excuse me, an hour out. North or? North. North. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you were there kind of up until high school or after high school? Yeah. Um, up to 09 when I graduated high school. Okay. I was 17. Yeah. And then went to New York. 17 year old moving to New York. Yeah. Wow. That must be pretty uh, intense. It was intense. Um, but yeah, just things got rolling super quick and mm. was really uh, fortunate to have great opportunities in New York mm. right away. So, did you kind of learn bass through, through school or was it privately? Or Man, I had. Thing? So, my dad is a saxophone player. And um, I'm an only child, right? So um, he was like a dad and a big brother yeah. simultaneously. And um, I'll be like, Dad, Dad, I want to go to your gig. So I used to just beg him like crazy, really. And so he pretty much got to be known as the guy that brings his like three year old son to every gig. <laughs> <laughs> it probably hindered his career. <laughs> 
But man, I had a blast just going with my coloring book and my mom would usually come as well and I would just hang and listen wow. really closely. What kind of music was he playing? It was um jazz, smooth jazz okay. ish and um uh, funk. Yeah. Yeah, and I just got drawn to um the bass. Yeah. One of the first basses that I saw is I call him Uncle Charlie. Um, amazing bass player. Um uh, and he slapped a lot and yeah. Is very he he has a great showmanship. Okay, and so I was like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. So how, how old were you when you kind of first got into it? Um, I I have been asking for a bass since about three, um, but <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. Um. So my dad was like, son, you know, every great bassist that I know knows something about the piano. Mm. So I started classical piano at five. Mm -hmm to the age of nine, and then finally got the electric. <laughs> awesome, and what, what, was, what was your first bass? It was this Korean little three-quarter cool. key bass. Yeah, okay. Um, it was called Honda. Ah, Honda key bass, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I eventually like took out the frets when I learned that Jocko did that. <laughs> you thought Jack what did that? I can do it. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Did that whole thing. And how did that work out for you? It was okay. It was then okay. the neck broke. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then we got a new one and then eventually moved on. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever get lessons from Uncle Charlie as you call? Yeah, Charlie Jordan. I still hang with him. Cool. And um my dad and him play in gospel settings together. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, amazing bass player. He's out in LA from Texas originally. Right. Um, but he actually moved to Texas when I got started. Oh, so okay. I would only see him, you know, here and there when he was in town. Sure. And um, at NAMM show we would jam when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let me see. Teaching wise, there's so many. Yeah. Todd Johnson. Okay, yeah. Who really got me off to a great start with walking baseline. He's quite a well known educator. Yeah. Um my very first teacher, Rick Eli, is a good friend of my dad and he had a, a music store where I grew up. Okay. And got into a lot of rock actually mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um at student concerts. Okay. And it was weird like writing the music, my new music for my album, like it kinda like takes me back to just like how I came up with different styles all coming together. Because mm -hmm. I was like playing rock in the um, music store and playing by ear in church. Mm -hmm. And then like at 10, started doing jazz gigs with my dad. So it was like a lot of things, <laughs> cut, you know. Well, I mean, that's kind of floating around. It's almost like a, it's a, <clears throat> it's a balanced meal. It's a balanced musical meal. You know, the rock thing is, you know, it's it's an important skill to have because a lot of the jazz stuff today has that. I mean, ever since Richie's Brew, right? I mean, yeah, rock is is part of jazz. That feel, right? And then using your ear and and church is is huge. Like, I think you've got to be able to do both. You've got to be able to read the dots or read the charts, but also you know let this be the the guiding force. So right, that sounds like a good a good basis. Yeah, for for learning, definitely. And was the was it a, what kind of gospel scene was it that you were you're in? Yeah, it was a real small church, okay. um, maybe about you know fifty people there. 
Okay, yeah. Um, so more. very intimate and okay. this um, vocalist, Andre Washington, and mm -hmm. also plays piano. Uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, his brother, Richard, and my dad and myself played in the band. And, okay. And it wasn't like super um, extravagant arrangements. Mm -hmm. It was more old school okay. type of gospel. Yeah. And really like learned how to lock in with the mm -hmm. the bass drum and snare. Yeah. So you're like what nine, ten years old? At this yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Because the I mean the gospel scene today has exploded, so to speak. You know the whole gospel chops thing, and definitely. Yes. Remember, it's it's um it is ext extravagant. It's a good word for it. Yeah. The way that a lot of the time, <laughs> the way that it's uh, presented these days is right. Quite extravagant, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of great players are coming out of, of that scene. Like, right, you know, I was just watching an interview with Michael Lee last night, and, mm -hmm. and he was he's um, he had gospel gigs every Sunday for years and years and years. So he, yeah. Even he kind of cut his teeth in that scene. Definitely, and it's something that's unique to to your part of the world. Right, I think you know that gospel music doesn't really exist anywhere else. Right, that I'm aware of for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Great. So. You're getting lessons in high school and stuff as well, like at school, or was it mainly like high school? Yeah, I, it went on and off. Um, so I had the pleasure of meeting Victor Bailey. Mm. Um, I was probably around. I met him at nine, but I he was like, "Man, come over and hang." So I remember the first lesson, like went over there, and um, he said, "Play something," and I forgot. I, probably played Teen Town or something. Okay. And he was like, you have to fix your technique. Really? He was like, it sounds good, but he was like, it looks like, it looks nasty. <laughs> and he was like cringing. So. But you must have been, I mean, I was really small. <laughs> you must have been struggling to get that yeah. together. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so basically he was just a, a mentor and he gave me my first bass amp and I would go to all his shows. Yeah. He was just, Amazing. Yeah, I, I miss him. I remember that low when I first got that low blow album. Oh man. I just played that to death. Yeah. I even did one of the songs from my recital at Unique Green Cracker. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean it's just a great sounding album, great yeah. great writing. I've been revisiting that album actually in LA the yeah. past like couple months or so. Okay. In the car. Yeah. It's like <laughs> great. Omar Hakim. Yeah. I think on the drums. Omar and Dennis. Yes. Yeah, he's one of the the greatest to yeah. ever do it for sure. Yeah, yeah, something else. Yeah, and so what did he kind of what did he kind of say to you to fix your technique? What did you? I guess how did you get your t technique together? Mm -hmm. Man, what did you practice? Todd gave me some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I guess in the later years, um, I remember this exercise, and you had to go really slow. Mm -hmm. And it's like holding yeah. all the fingers down, and then one by one, you go to the next string. Yeah. But I think Victor was more so just like visual. Okay. Like, look at me. And yeah. He showed me how to play a shuffle and, and some karate kid stuff there. Yeah, it's a little bit like on Max. Definitely. What is this? And then, <laughs> and then eventually, you're like, oh, my hand is in that position more often now. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. I've got some stuff that I give my students called isometrics. Oh, okay. Similar idea where you're only moving one finger right. at a time just to build up that, that control. So you're kind of checking out what Jacko stuff. Like yeah. Really my dad got me a bunch of Jacko stuff and probably the first, uh, some of the first records that I had uh, from bass artists is Marcus Miller's okay. uh, Live and More. So you like your type of Let's get started on this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, like, <clears throat> when I got um, into Jocko, I just became more of a finger style music. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, Marcus and then Jocko. Marcus, Jocko, then Jocko led me to Victor and then got a chance to spend time with him. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. And are you just transcribing that stuff? Um. Yeah, like I learned Donna Lee and okay. Teen Town. Okay. Those were some of the first the easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like dove right in. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and is that with the frets off as well? Or? Yeah, that was. Heavy. That was, yeah. <laughs> cool. And so you finished in high school and you said you went to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Man, it was intense. Yeah. How many um, years were you there? I was there four years in the undergrad. From oh. 09 to 2013. Okay. And it was straight upright. All upright. All upright. Okay. And uh, when you went there, did you have your upright stuff together? or? Well, that's um, thanks to Reggie Hamilton. Because ah. I had no interest in playing the upright. Even though I was checking out like so much different music mm-hmm. that my dad had at the house. Like, you know, Kind of Blue. And yeah. Cannonballs, something else, and Giant Steps, and I love those albums. Yeah, good music, but I, I, I'm the same. You know, I never had that burning desire to right let me upright. Right, right. Yeah. So, my dad bought an upright, um, and it was collecting dust in the corner, and um, he threatened to sell it. A friend of his was like, "Yeah, I would like to buy it." So then, as luck would have it, we met um, Reggie Hamilton. Okay. And he took me under his wing and said, man, you know, if you start upright, it'll open up a lot of yeah. different opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. So he said that exact same thing. I just, I just interviewed him. Oh, okay. He said that exact thing. You know, people are like, oh, you know, if you ever need a bass player, let me know. And you go, well, can you play upright? No. Okay. Can you read? No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to give you the few electric gigs that I have, you know. Right. So, yeah. So you... He delved into the upright. Yeah, so he um, was like, you know, I want you to study with Al McKibben. And he was 96 or 97 at the time. Oh, wow. So I got two or three lessons from him. Okay. And um, that was a beautiful experience yeah. before he passed. And then um, started with Reggie. Okay. And he eventually fired me because <laughs> I wasn't practicing uh, well enough. That's funny. Um, but yeah, he's still a mentor of mine. And like I said, I told you earlier, like things that he said years ago, um, you know, come back around Yeah, th- to this day. Yeah. And help me. Sign of a good teacher. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Julian, you're in, in the deep end or? Yeah. So I mean, Ron Carter. Okay. And Ben Wolf were my two teachers. Okay. So, yeah. It was two really different ways of going about teaching, mm-hmm. but equally beneficial. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, 
like I, I, I called the guy, I had a phone conversation with, when I got accepted with the guy that was the director at the time. And I was like, you know, I play a lot of electric. <laughs> Am I going to be able to get to do that? And he was like, well, you know, somebody writes in a, an original composition. And if, if it's an original concert, you know, you can play it. But I ended up not really, wow. <laughs> really getting to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm happy now, like with with Kamasi, like getting to do both. Sure. Yeah. At the time, were you? I mean, were you still were you still playing electric on gigs and stuff? Like? Yeah, here and there. Yeah, but mainly. Just but yeah, there. it was a good solid like well, four years being in school, and then mm -hmm. probably a good two years after that, where I was just ninety five percent of the uh, music that I was playing was mm -hmm. just you know upright bass. Okay. And what, I mean, what's it like being a young bass player starting out in New York? Wow. Like, how do you, how do you survive? How do you get, how do you <laughs> not just want to give up and you can go out and see such amazing bands every night? Yeah, I mean, it helped that I was 17, you know, you have so much energy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with schlepping the, the upright through the snow and oh, getting yeah. on the train, like going up the stairs. Um, it's a new experience. Yeah. It was a new experience. It was just exciting. Yeah. And um, man, a few months into um, being in New York, um, I did a gig with um, Kendrick Scott, drummer. Okay. He called me last minute, I think, to fill in mm -hmm. for someone at Bar Next Door. And Terrence Blanchard was sitting in the corner, and I noticed it as we were going up to play the last set, and I was like, hi, Mr. Blanchard. <laughs> real shy yeah and um i ended up you know he he reached out to me um a couple months later right um and i ended up you know getting to be in this quintet for about five years wow through through college wow that must have been an education in itself it was yeah so i was like sort of juggling that <clears throat> and school which was like super hectic yeah i don't recommend it no <laughs> i do not i was like Tired. Do you kind of look back and go, you could have just left school and been all right, or? Yeah, the thought crosses my mind. Yeah. Um, but you know, made the the parents happy with sure. the degree. And, yeah. And they are right, and you know, you never know when you might need it. Mm. And also learned learned a lot from school. Sure. But I got in trouble with that. You know, I was sneaking away. Missing class. Yeah. <laughs> Flying back in. At least you've yeah. got a good excuse, though. Right. You know? Putting your tennis punch out. Right. Yeah. Right. Did you have a part-time job or just gigs? No, just, um, you know, playing with Terrence and different mm -hmm. other things that yeah. when people saw me playing with him, it, well, you know how music is. Yeah. It just one thing leads to the next. So that, that sounds like it's probably like a, it's a kind of... Um, Catalyst for your your career. Yeah. Subsequently, you know, playing with Kamasi, you can probably trace it back to playing with Terence and guessing or definitely. Yeah. Because actually, <clears throat> so the thing was is um I met Kamasi one time when I was like thirteen or so. Okay. And um, he came and sat in at the World Stage, which is a pretty legendary spot in LA, uh, formerly owned by um, Billy Higgins. Okay. He started it. Yeah. So, you know, 
I was playing with musicians my age. We were in, in high school, and uh, we were super excited that Kamasi came. So he was kind of known. Yeah, everybody like, knew about Kamasi in LA. Okay. Yeah, um, and very well respected. Right. Um, and especially the younger musicians, we all looked up to him. Ooh. And he came through, and he doesn't even remember it. No, like doing this, but he came through, played on one song, killed it, and left. <laughs> <laughs> So just like a I was it. yeah, <laughs> like I met Kamasi when I was thirteen. Um, what, I mean, what what are you playing? What kind of music are you playing when you're thirteen years old, down with Kamasi? Man, we they were doing like a lot of watermelon, um, man, something like that. Yeah, and then like covers Roy Hargrove covers from the R H Factor, Factor and stuff. Cool. Um, so it was that or some Kenny Garrett, something. Yeah, with one of those. Um, but yeah, so he hit me up out of the blue. Yeah. Um, and he was like, man, would you be down to, you know, do some gigs with us? And I was so surprised. And he was like, man, I've been keeping track of what you've been doing um, with playing, you know, playing with Terrence. And, oh, cool. Did you play electric with Terrence? Here and there in the beginning. Yeah. But um, then just meeting up, right? Yeah, because it was just like one song here, you know. Every once a blue moon, so mm. <laughs> some of the guys used to laugh at me because for a few years I would travel with the electric and it would just be sitting on the stand, yeah, <laughs> on every gig just to prove that you got one, exactly. You know, I can do both, honestly. So I gave in and then left it, started leaving it at home, yeah, <laughs> after a while. And what do, what do you think about um, the difference from the LA vibe to the New York vibe? You know, man. I'm trying to figure that out still. Mm -hmm. um, Do you reckon it's changed in the last 10 years? It's maybe not quite as different or? Yeah, because there's cross-pollination. Yeah. Like a lot of the New York guys now are moving out west. Yeah, that's what I For the better weather, mm. you know. Better living conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess there's a lot of studio work as well mm -hmm. still in LA. Mainly when I'm there, um, I'm just hanging at home, you know, in between touring. Okay. So I definitely want to dive into the scene and see yeah. what it has to offer. Yeah. Um, getting to connect with Kamasi and, like, more people in L.A. Mm -hmm. know about me now. Because, yeah. like I said, I grew up so far. far away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, we'll see. I hear the uh, the Blue Whale come up a lot. And Blue Whale is a great place. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a that's the best spot, yeah. in my opinion. Is that kind of like LA's 55 bar? Would that be a fair comparison? Or yeah, a little bit. But it's so eclectic. Right. Like, he welcomes all types of music. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. You know, in New York, it's like, there are certain clubs that is strictly straight ahead. Yeah. And then, you know, electric, mm -hmm. and then, you yeah. know, maybe modern jazz. Yeah over here so that club like really encompasses everything okay and yeah. the owner is super cool the jazz police aren't quite selective no not at all that's good they retired <laughs> <laughs> and, have you done any any studio session work and stuff out there or um yeah i got to play on this thing um actually <clears throat> with vinnie caliuta um last year what? and it was a big band um record for carlos rogerman okay and um yeah, Arturo Solar did the big band arrangements. So you, so this would be live. It was live. Yeah, there's some videos on YouTube. 
myself like you hear musicians saying man it, I'm on this gig the music is super easy yeah and uh, it's really boring I, I never get bored yeah in any musical setting and I never like feel like I have to like I'm restricted in any way okay um, I just try to listen and I feel like the how I grew up with playing so many different styles and mm -hmm. I'm actually half Indian, okay. So I like learn about myself with writing music, and I'm like, I haven't necessarily checked out Indian music, but it comes out really. <laughs> wow. So yeah, like I just listen. Listening is big mm. for me, because uh, if if you're not listening, you might as well just be playing at home by yourself, you know. Exactly. So I feel like the possibilities are endless when everybody's communicating with each other. Sure. No matter if it's a one chord song, or, yeah, you know, a hundred chords, yeah. And then I guess it's just hopefully everybody is listening, and yeah, sometimes you might be in an ensemble where the drummer's in his own world, and definitely <laughs> he's kind of got to go alone, but right? Then yeah. you that does it gives you an extra watch, like, yeah, uh, like oh, can't wait to get my <laughs> 75 bucks and go home, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
tell us a little bit about your about your album that you're writing. So yeah, what's, what's that? Does it have a name? Does it have a concept? Um, it's a lot of the songs are based on you know things that happen in in life. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a period after I graduated college where I was just like, uh, man, I don't know, you know, if I want to continue doing music. Really? Because I had never had a job or anything as a kid. Yeah. Like, since I was 10, it was like music gigging yeah. and music. Uh, so I was like, I don't know, you know, it feels like I might want to change or if I even should be doing this, you know, just questioning things. And um, so I wrote this song my, after speaking to my dad, mm -hmm. and he was basically like, son, don't be a wuss. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he, he's very encouraging. So I wrote this song called Rise. Um, and it's just meant to uplift people. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then have a couple of tributes to people that passed away, like Victor Bailey, mm -hmm. one of my first friends in college. Uh, passed a couple of years ago, so wrote a song for him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what's the what's been your recording process? Is it do you have a band on it, or is it all yeah. you kind of thing? Yeah. So <clears throat> two synth players, okay. um, Matisse Picard, Tabor Gable, um, and Jonathan Pinson on drums, and Jason Berger as well on drums. Jonathan Pinson. I don't know that name. He played um, plays with Kamasi. Right. Okay. As well, from time to time. Cool. Yeah, and he's one of my one of my best friends. Nice. Um, and he's back and forth between L.A. and New York. Right. And then also have Josh Johnson on um, saxophone. Okay. And might have a few special guests as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Can you tell us, or can we leave it a surprise? Uh, I'll leave it a surprise. All right. We'll get up. But yeah, it's like really eclectic stuff, like mm. kind of rockish. Did you did you book a studio and kind of cut everything in a day or? Yeah, we did two days in <coughs> New York, um, back in September. Okay. So At Figure Eight Studios. Pretty close to coming out. I mean, when when are you hoping to have it? Yeah. Um, on the on the virtual shelves, by. It's about eighty percent done. Yeah. Um, hoping my goal is like the fall of you know twenty eighteen. So that'll be. Spring for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. And your um, studio-wise, like gear, what, what do you like to kind of go through when you're tracking? Yeah, I use the Ready on everything. Of course. <laughs> yeah, they're good. Definitely. Yeah, and I used a bunch of different bases. Yeah. Um, this one, um, a Hofner. Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> jazz bass or not, not so much on this? Uh, yeah. yeah. There's a couple jazz basses, a Fender jazz and then a Moon jazz bass as well. Like a Larry Graham? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Is it white? It's black. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you got a bunch of different sounds. Okay. Is there any Marcus action on it? No. No? No. Okay. Is that... Is that do you, is that something that's in, in your playing much these days that you're... Not much. No. But i actually been going back and, you know, working on hair and, cool. and stuff like yeah. that. But this this record, I would say, is more compositional and just sure. meant to just, uh, like I said, be uplifting yeah. for people. 
and hopefully have a, a good experience, yeah. you know, and part participating as a listener. But maybe like on the next record, I'll focus more on trying to stretch as um, as a basis. Okay, cool. You know, so what's what's next for you after the? I mean, when, when do you get back home from Kamasi? How long is that going to be? Uh, we get back in a couple weeks okay. to LA, and then we'll we'll be doing Coachella. Oh wow! So have you done that before? No, okay. first time. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll probably try to get in the studio in LA. And do some overdubs and stuff like that. Focus on the album and yeah, push it out. Yeah, do you reckon you might kind of try and tour that or definitely? Yeah, that's definitely the plan. Yeah, Ooh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, man, it's been great hanging out with you. Likewise. Um, really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's downtime on the road is is special. You know, oh man. Yeah. So no, you know, thanks for coming out. Um, you sound great. I'm really looking forward to, to checking out the gig. Oh, for sure. And um, guys, um, Joshua Crumbly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, check out, check out the album when it comes out. And you got a, a website or how can people do yeah. it? Yeah, um, Instagram at Joshua Crumbly. Yeah. Uh, JoshuaCrumbly.com. Cool. As well. So Instagram for for the pics of the coffee and the food or yeah. <laughs> view from the tour bus. Right. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Thanks. Thanks, man. enjoyed the interview there with joshua crumbly um big thanks to joshua for for coming in and speaking with me um my name's craig this is the bass lessons melbourne player profile podcast um thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it thank you to my sponsors who helped me uh, make this show um f bass and bass face strings and if you like the music that you're hearing um beneath my voice at the minute that is uh my band called pickpocket and you can find uh, our album at pickpocketfunk.com as well as on itunes and spotify and bandcamp okay guys thanks for listening i'll see you next time